This is Yours Digitally, Episode 3, Mimi Hapig. How are you, Mimi? I'm fine, thank you very much. Um, we have started to uh, do some small activities again and on Tuesday, and it feels very good after the I'm really happy to hear that. That's fantastic. How's How are you? Yeah, we're keeping busy. You know, it's uh, it's been it's been an interesting time. Um, a lot of new, interesting projects that we've started up. Um, to effectively, we have to become a much more resilient society. I think. I'm not sure if you agree. I do. But this um, this situation has proven to us that we are not resilient at all. And, uh, you know, an event like this can really knock us off our feet, at least temporarily. Uh, thankfully, we, some of us can get up and stand up and dust ourselves off. But um, it really has uh, shaken us, I think. I agree. It has shaken the mode of operation in which our society has been running the last decades. So welcome, Mimi Harpig. It's very nice to Thank talk you to you very again. much. Thank you for having me. Um, how is everything up in the north of Greece? <laughs> well, if you refer to the whole circumstances around the new coronavirus, things are slowly but steadily relaxing. So people are now again on the streets, which is really nice to see. The weather is beautiful. And yeah, we are enjoying uh, the early summer. I'm really happy to hear that. And we met, must have been a couple of years ago, when we were doing some exploration of Greece and looking to see which sites we were going to visit for a project that we were doing, which was around empowerment. And uh, I was very happy to discover what you were doing. And uh, you also came out and spoke at one of our events when we ran Make a Fair Athens, and you came to speak about your project. I know that you've been involved in empowering people, uh, empowered people, up better able to make informed decisions so you know you do some very very important work around uh, refugees <laughs> asylum seekers and more it's not only asylum seekers i know that your organization is open to everyone completely true yeah this is very important to us mimi tell me a little bit about the project habibi works so habibi works is what we call an intercultural maker space that means that we are a project providing different working areas. We have 10 workshop areas from classic woodwork, metalwork, a sewing atelier, up to really advanced technology in our media lab, we call it. Um, I'm talking about 3D printing, laser cutting, virtual reality. And we consider these workshops platforms for education, empowerment and social encounters for people who live in refugee camps and accommodations, but also for anybody else, really. So also members from the local Greek communities. And the beautiful thing about Habibi Works is that people get to make active decisions again and they get to be the protagonists of their stories and uh, they are the ones really implementing ideas and solving daily life problems because we believe that people are the experts of their daily lives they know best what is missing and how to solve it what kind of people actually visit your makerspace so the big majority of our users really does live in refugee camps and accommodations 
We are working with men and women from lots of different countries. Obviously, Syria and Afghanistan have been um, really present as two nationalities. We have slowly but steadily been increasing the circle of our Greek users, but it's a very slow process. I expect that it would be quite difficult for the local population to integrate with the people who have just moved into Greece or are migrating or are trying to figure out their next steps. So it might be quite difficult. There may be quite a lot of misunderstanding or um, misalignment in terms of cultures, in terms of values. I expect there's a lot of fear as well. Do you see a lot of fear? I'm not sure whether I would call it fear, but there are definitely thresholds, you know, holding people back. And you are right, like the whole concept of making and the maker space is very or was very foreign to the local communities here as such i re received reactions like what do you mean you're offering a space where i can use all the tools all the machines and all the material for free there must be kind of a hidden agenda there so there was a bit of suspicion obviously we are foreigners like our ngo is registered in germany our small organization um, so we were not from Greece and we are working mostly with people who are not even from Europe. So that was, to begin with, a triple threshold that made it, I guess, difficult for people to just access our services. And to accept that you have innocent objectives. <laughs> yes. <laughs> as crazy as it might sound, but this is, this is actually the, the truth, yeah. The organization is called Soup and Socks. Can you describe where the name came from? Sure. We founded the organization, or the organization was founded, better speaking, because in this moment I was not yet part of the crew. I kind of stumbled across uh, Soup and Socks when it was just founded. So it was set up in December 2015, when the topic of people arriving to Europe in search of freedom and safety was all over the media. And we were basically a group of young people who were just frustrated. We didn't want to sit in our living rooms anymore, just looking at what was going on in, in the TV or on the news. We wanted to see with our own eyes what was happening at the Balkan route and at the external borders of Europe. We heard about human rights violations. We heard about a lot of hardship. So we decided to just use our two weeks Christmas break to drive down with uh, mobile kitchen equipment and with clothes donations we had gathered and provide hot, delicious meals and clothes donations on two public spaces in Athens back then for two weeks only. Nobody of us had any idea that this would turn into the long-term project Habibi Works back then. And it's been several years since then. You're almost into year five now, yes? We will have our fourth anniversary as Habibi Works in August this year. And yeah, this year our organization will turn five years in, in December. Well, in, in terms of organizations, five years is a very long time. It is, especially in this context. We have witnessed how many organizations had to give up or had to move on, either because public interest shifted and the next crisis, even though it sounds very weird to say that, but was more urgent than the ongoing challenges in Greece. So yeah, like four years in this context is, is really a long time. And of course, you've seen young children become teenagers, you've seen people move, you've seen people evolve, you've seen people move out of the 
support structures that the state or other organizations have provided into more a more normal mode i suppose and that must be very rewarding to see that you have contributed to their well-being their empowerment and uh, their, their better psychology i suppose I would say there are lots of beautiful stories and it's really nice to be aware that we were somehow involved in many of them to small extent. Many times I have to say though that people do move on and it's not possible to stay in touch with all of them. So many times we don't even know how the experiences they made here with Habibi Works played out, how these experiences influenced them in their next steps. Um, so what we really focus on is being here, being supportive during the time that people are here with us and just hoping that what we offer is something that encourages them to uh, to make the next steps in, in their lives. Well, you speak about their lives and um, their steps and uh, there was a point I wanted to touch on, which is about hopes and dreams. And mm -hmm. all of these people have decided to leave a conflict zone or leave a, a zone of the world which is very, very difficult and challenging because of hopes and dreams and are dreaming of something better, a better future for themselves, a better yes, future yes. for their families, for their children. The dream of Europe or the dream of another, another place, are we actually fulfilling that dream? Is, do you find that people, when they actually land in Europe, at least for the first few months or perhaps years in some cases, do they feel that they are achieving that path of a better a better life? I mean, it's difficult for me to speak on behalf of the people who, who make this very difficult journey. What I have witnessed, however, is that what people dream of is not very different from the life that many Europeans are living. People are aspiring a life in which they have a job that provides an income which allows them to rent a place or even maybe buy a place, to have a car, to send their kids to school and to live in, in freedom and safety and peace. And unfortunately, during the first months and years for most of the people arriving to Europe, this is not possible. This is not what our system allows them to do. People are massively excluded. The processes take forever. Families are... Um, remaining separated for much longer than, than would be good for them and for anybody, really. I feel that the European societies are massively losing um, the opportunities that people who come to Europe offer. Let's talk a little about digital literacy. You mentioned that part of your project has to do with uh, 3D printing, digital skills, even augmented reality. Yeah. Tell me about some of the challenges that you may see while showing these skills to uh, groups of people who come from areas of the world where digitalization hasn't taken hold as much as it has in our part of the world? Well, the group of people we work with is obviously super diverse. So we um, encounter people who have lots of experience even with really advanced technology and at the same time we encounter people who have never used a computer in their lives. So um, our approach has to be diverse in order to meet these different people and support them with what, uh, what is important for them in the moment. So sometimes it's really about sitting down with somebody and showing them how, 
the keyboard works and the mouse and how to set up an email address and how emails work actually rather than you know diving into the really innovative fields of 3d printing and laser cutting but i have to say we do have um every now and then individuals who get really into it and who are very advanced who have a lot of experience and who use these opportunities to uh, possibly even prepare for a career in this field here in Habibi Works. I would expect that their evolution or their digital evolution, their personal digital evolution is very much accelerated because they're involved in a, an ecosystem that you provide. I agree and it's really interesting to see how every person is like basically evolving developing around their main interests and needs so for somebody it might be really focusing on social media for somebody else it might be really about um, graphic design and for somebody else it might be about coding like it really depends on the interests of the person we work with where they excel and this is the beautiful thing know that we are a very pl flexible platform where people can basically decide the focus of what they want to do themselves. And I expect that part of the hopes and dreams that we were talking about earlier on means that they may encounter new hopes, new dreams, given the experiences that they've undergone within the facility. So perhaps a choice of a new career, a career in an advanced subject like laser cutting or CNC or 3D design, or something uh, more more advanced or you know at a different level than skills such as woodworking they're equally equally valuable and equally necessary in our world for some of the people we work with this is definitely the case and you are right people have to create new dreams and new hopes when we look at the children and teenagers even though it is one of their basic rights to access education for big parts of their stay in refugee camps and accommodations here in Greece. At least during the last years, they did not have access to formal education. So we encounter young adults and teenagers who partly don't know how to write and read or who um, can do only very basic uh, things in, in maths, if at all. So having access to all these different technologies and the tools and I refer to the very innovative modern ones as much as to the very like classic and basic ones gives them the possibility to find self-confidence again and to have a learning experience that feels successful and that is inclusive instead of exclusive and I think this is super important um, otherwise we would look at a generation that will basically have lost the hope to ever lead an autonomous life where they can provide for themselves, where they can be successful in something and uh, also obviously create an income. I wonder, Mimi, I know that you're helping many, many people and I've known you for a few years. Do you have an idea? And often it's quite difficult to have an understanding of how many people you're been, you've been helping. <laughs> Do yeah. you have any idea of how many people you've been helping? Do you have any statistics of how many people have come through your structure? So, yeah, we have ideas. Obviously, um, we're not sure how correct these ideas are, how spot on. And I guess we are we are working with people in, in three different ways, really. So obviously, the people who come to Habibi Works as the physical makerspace benefit very immediately from the work that we do together. So that must have been uh, 
during the last four years, several thousand people. It was between seven and nine thousand um, people who came through. And you know, some of them maybe came only once because they had a very specific problem. They had to fix their bicycle and they used our bike shed. And once that was done, they never returned again, which is completely fine. And others might have come because they were interested in learning specific skills, as for example, in the media lab, but also in other areas. And other people maybe came every day really just because they needed this welcoming, safe space in which they were treated with respect. Then obviously, this has an impact also on the families of the people who come here. So besides the people who we work with immediately or directly, this will have a positive effect on people who live with the immediate users, let's call them. So if somebody comes here to sew a curtain or build a shelf or learn a skill, other people in their, in their network benefit from this. And furthermore, we are, besides the very practical support that we do on the ground, really interested in raising awareness for the situation of people here in Greece, for the challenges that asylum seekers and migrants, but also really the local Greek um, communities face, but also to raise awareness for the skills and the talents that people have. So um, we have also really tried to reach a lot of people through social media and through presentations all over Europe. Mimi, shall we talk a little bit about community? And while visiting your facility a few years ago, I was struck by how well-structured everything was and how people that were using the facility had a sense of belonging. And it was so important, I think, that you had not so much ceremony, but you had structure in that lunchtime is lunchtime and everybody sits around the eating area and eats together. Everyone cooks together. And this is something that makes everyone belong. The importance of of breaking bread together and having that social time, but not only social, but also the time where they refuel and they can actually engage with each other uh, on a different level rather than you know around the tool shed or around the, the activity table. I was also struck by how strict you were with process <laughs> and yeah. how important that is for a community who is under stress and finding their feet. And quite often, while you're under stress, you might lose process or you might lose discipline and things are a little bit of a free-for-all. And that wasn't the case in your structure, which I was very impressed by, of how you would, this is perhaps not the best word to use, perhaps you, you would reprimand a user for not acting in the best way and prohibiting their access to the space for a few days. And it was a very soft reprimand, but I thought it was very effective. Do you want to talk a little bit to that? Well, you really addressed some big topics there. So uh, community and structure, and for me to some extent also culture because this is somehow what we have established here in Habibi Works our own uh, culture within the existing systems in which people move and you are right I think what Habibi Works creates beyond products and perspectives is community people come together from very different places in the world to either make together in the spirit of making, of supporting each other, of sharing success, of sharing knowledge. And people spend time together in these beautiful moments. Like for example, they move in a 
space where they meet people that otherwise maybe they would never have met or they would never have interacted with and some of them learn maybe or experience for the first time that in other places people live their life according to different rules and that this is completely okay as long as we all respect each other so you are right we have um, established along the years a, a routine a structure when it comes to the the day the day-to-day -day life in Habibi works and um, we have also established rules when it comes to the respectful interactions we believe that this is really important if you work with so many people from so many different places where you have so many different expectations of what interactions should look like so we try to be super transparent about that um, one small rule for example is that after the shared lunch every person regardless of whether we look at a man or a woman gets up and washes their own dish And that doesn't mean, obviously, that men will leave and go back home after the experience in Habibi works and then start doing the dishes instead of the women doing it, which is mostly the case in many families. But it opens the understanding that in different places, different um, approaches apply and that that's completely okay. And that's not actually um, offending anybody or being asked too much, but um, that we try to live um, respectful interactions uh, in our own way and everybody has to has to play along in this when i visited your space i felt like you were giving people a soft introduction to the way that we live the way that we expect people to behave and interact and respect each other and i'm sure that similar structures probably exist in every society i haven't had much experience in other societies but I found it intriguing as to how people would conform in a very, very, very happily conform to, to what was happening in their surroundings because there was definitely a give and take. People were quite happy to give because they were taking, whether you very correctly mentioned they're going to be using the tools to repair their bike or whether they're going to be learning a skill or sharing a skill or feeling empowered and getting a sense of purpose because they're teaching a skill to a, another member of their community. I wish we could have more examples like what you're doing up there in the north. Have people been learning from you and trying to replicate what you're doing? You mean when it comes to establishing similar projects? Yes. I mean when we started in 2016 i believe that habibi works was a very extraordinary project because we combined two worlds the world of the makers and maker spaces and the humanitarian response to uh, to a very challenging situation to the situation of of uh, asylum seekers and migrants and refugees um, so i believe we were to some extent maybe a lighthouse project that others um, were inspired by. At the same time, the whole maker movement is so dynamic that it was only a question of time until more people would do similar things because it just makes sense, you know? Like, it's it's so empowering to give people the means to, uh, to implement solutions themselves instead of offering solutions that might not even fit their, their needs, meet their needs. Um, so I'm not sure how much people looked at us to learn and um, implement 
similar projects, but definitely similar projects have evolved all over Greece, all over Europe. And we were lucky enough to be in touch with some of them and to share some of our learnings and our knowledge and our mistakes that we made. Um, so, yeah, it was a really exciting process. Mimi, tell me about some of the challenges of running a project like that. Wow, there are so many. <laughs> um, you know, one of the biggest challenges, I mean, they're the obvious ones, right? Um, there are the ones like you have to find the money to run a project like this and you have to find the people to run a project like this. And we are completely independent from the EU and from any government. So we really function or we are carried by private donors mostly by now from all over Europe and even some other countries world. Um, so fundraising is a constant effort we have to make in order to make sure that we will have enough money to continue running the months to come. And we have to find people who have expertise and skills, who bring the right motivation and who can afford um, to work here on a voluntary basis. In most of the cases, we cover accommodation and food because we don't want um, the criteria how big somebody's wallet is to necessarily be a factor that allows or not allows somebody to be here. So. Um, Finding people, finding money are two very obvious ones, but I think a bigger one or maybe a, another one that is constantly present and easily overlooked is communication and um, interaction. And that can refer as much to interactions within a very diverse team of experts from all over the world. The interactions and communication between this team and the target group. And again, people from different places with different expectations um, communication between the different actors, um, meaning other initiatives that work uh, in the field or other NGOs. And unfortunately, I found it super challenging um, to see how intransparent um, communication was many times, how much competition um, there is many times because in the humanitarian field, all the actors and most of the actors have to apply for money from the same pots. So instead of sharing ideas, ideas are kept a secret so that nobody else goes and applies with the same idea uh, at the same pot for money. So yeah, communication is definitely different, difficult and also towards people following what we have been doing uh, in other countries. Um, as you know, like the topic of Greece and the situation of asylum seekers has been very present in Europe's media in 2015 and 16, but then focus shifts and um, people move to, uh, to other topics and keeping the interest alive in our communication and keeping people involved and um, keeping people motivated to continue supporting a project as important as, as this one is also a challenge in, in this context. So Mimi, I want to read a little bit of the notes that we put together before this podcast. Empowered people are better able to make informed decisions about their future. Empowerment is defined as the process by which men and women in disadvantaged positions increase their access to knowledge, resources and decision-making power and raise their awareness of participation in their communities in order to reach a level of control over their own environment. Your project, Mimi, the project that you're involved in with your team, is exactly that. Keep up the amazing work. I love what Hibibi Works have done. Yeah, thank you very much, Stavros. So, 
I believe that Habibi Works has been the proof to show that things can be done differently. I think our world is so um, overwhelming sometimes. On a global scheme, so many things are complex um, that people sometimes don't even know where to start with when they want to change things. But all the regulations, all the laws, all the structure according to which our world functions are human-made. So it is in the hands of us humans to change something about it. And I believe all scale, Habibi Works has, has done this in the past years. Um, when looking at the future, we really hope that at some point we can hand over Habibi Works as a project here in Epirus into Greek hands. That is our aim um, on the long run, because we believe it's the only way to, to be sustainable, to uh, to make sure that the local communities feel ownership over this project. And uh, we hope to um, then be able to start new projects in other places and small initiatives, collaborations. So we are very motivated to do similar things in the future in other places. Passing the baton is a very important factor when you create impact projects. And uh, I'm really glad you said that. What is happening in that sense? Uh, do, you, do you see people from the local community actually engaging and uh, uh, in a position or will be in a position in in the near future to be able to uh, continue the operation of Habibi Works in a, in a similar format, in a similar way and ensuring its sustainability going forward? You know, in 2018, late 2018, there was a key moment that changed a lot. And it was the moment that our team, our international team, moved out of the building of Habibi Works, where we also work in and back then lived in, into the city. And it, it was a major shift that we didn't see coming. And it was so important that it happened because suddenly we were part of a Greek landscape. We had left our little bubble, our Habibi Works universe, and we had Greek neighbors. And we had our like usual shops that we would go to. And we, had, uh, we signed up for uh, Greek sports clubs and these kind of things. So since late 2018, lots of things have started to grow and develop on the level of personal relationships. And these were necessary to create the sufficient trust that people needed to really start getting involved in the project. And luckily enough, in 2019, we were then able to uh, gather some small funds to create a position for what we called a Greek outreach manager, a Greek person who was really in charge of the communication and creating the connections to local authorities, to local institutions, to local initiatives, to make sure that Habibi Works becomes more visible as an opportunity also for the local Greek community. So, Things have been moving there and um, it, it looks very promising, but obviously it is a long process. So I think we are marching in a good direction, but it will take time and patience and, uh, and efforts to be able to hand over this project at some point. I'm sure that the local community is very excited about what is happening. And while there may be challenges from certain elements of the local community who may feel uh, may feel fearful for for a new community with different uh, customs, different values that lives near them or is integrating with them. I wonder what kind of reception do you have from the local authorities, the local politicians, the local leadership, the church, etc, etc. 
to be very honest, for uh, the longest time, for the first two, maybe even three years, we have really kept a low profile and we have not really gotten involved uh, with the local authorities. Um, we were so focused on improving the really harsh conditions in the refugee camps that most of our energy and our capacities just went there uh, instead of beginning the outreach towards the, the locals, both individuals and authorities. Um, so this is something we have shifted and we are actively searching now for connections and for communication. Um, we don't always encounter interest, but I think this is something that also um, will develop the faster, the more contacts we have. It's like a snowball effect, you know, like you speak to one person who then speaks about how he works with somebody else and the awareness that we exist and what our intentions are grows. Obviously, um, NGOs have a difficult reputation in Greece and being a German NGO does not necessarily make it easier. So we have to um, fight sometimes against prejudices, um, against the idea that we are um, grabbing EU money that is not supposed to go in our like work but into work of the Greek state for example which is not true because we're not receiving any EU funding um, so a lot of um, a lot of communication is necessary to establish trust I believe and it's something we are working on well Mimi uh, I can say from having witnessed your work you're doing amazing work you're helping so many many people find their path, uh, helping them along in their path, you're opening up new opportunities to them, you're helping them find a sense of fulfillment, the sense of being, um, and frankly, you're keeping them out of trouble, and that is a very, very amazing thing that you're doing, and uh, keep it up, please, keep growing, um, I wish we could help uh, more and more, and we would love to help more and more, and uh, whenever we do find ourselves up in the north in Yanen, uh, we will make a plan to come and visit and uh, to share a meal uh, with the, the community and uh, perhaps uh, build something in the space as well. Please do, it would be lovely to have you soon. For anybody who can't visit physically, um, there's always the chance to visit online, obviously. We have a website that is www.habibi.works or you find us also on Facebook or Instagram as Habibi Works. Mimi, thank you so, so much for being a guest on Yours Digitally. Thank you very much for having me.